Good morning, Campbell River Baptist Church and Radiant Life. We're so glad that you can join us this morning for church. Hope that you have your tea and coffee with you this morning, like I do, and hope you enjoy the service. Hello everyone, I'm Carson. Um, I am a recently finished first year uh, student at Trinity West University, and one way that I stay connected with people um, is through Facebook of all things, and that makes me sound really old, but it is a really efficient way to stay connected. Um, one example of this is I'm part of a group um, that is just like a Bible reading group over the summer. Um, together we're reading through certain books of the Bible, and we actually have a, a scheduled Zoom meeting coming up where we're going to discuss all that. Um, and I think this is a really good way to stay connected because like we're all striving for that common goal to stay connected with God and all that kind of stuff too. And at the same time, we can stay connected with each other. So we're all going towards this common goal. And I think it's really beneficial. And it's certainly helped me get through this really weird and awkward time. Um, yeah, so I hope you guys are doing great. Um, stay healthy and stay safe. <laughs> See you later. My name is Emma and I have two announcements for you today. The first one is about our newsletter. If you're not on our newsletter yet, make sure to sign up. You can go to our website, scroll down, follow the prompts. We're going to be putting more detailed announcements on our newsletter. So if you would like more information on staffing or new events or changes in the church, make sure you follow our newsletter. Our second announcement is about small groups. We're still in the process of building some new teams. So if you are interested, make sure you email us at smallgroups at crbaptist.bc.ca. Just wanted to remind you about the children's stories that are on our website for your kids. This week we're talking about salt and light and how we are both in the world. There's also an activity that goes along with today's story, so you'll want to check on our website for the instructions. Hey guys, good to see you. Uh, we're hoping you guys come hang out with us real soon. Every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. we have Youth Lives. Join us then. How do I, how did I get in the tree? Oh, well it could have been worse. Actually, I'm surprised it floated so well. Good morning, everyone. My name is Erwin, and uh, I, I'm going to read a, a psalm for us this morning. I'm looking at Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, and whatsoever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff, that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Thank you. Hello everybody, it's Ryan Davis here, your senior youth intern. This morning, I have the opportunity and the privilege to pray for us and to thank God for his provision. And so... Before I do that, I also want to encourage you guys to check out our newsletter. That's where we're putting our missionary of the week and our church of the week. And we would love it if you guys could join us in prayer for them as well. So please join me this morning. Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, that we can meet together in this way. Father, we want to take this opportunity and thank you for Pastor David's ministry here with us. We thank you, Lord, for how he's brought your word every week. And Father, as this is his last Sunday, we just pray that you bless him and M 
and wherever you're going to lead them after this. And so, Jesus, we're so thankful for them. Uh, Lord, this morning, we also want to thank you for your provision, how you have provided for us, how you've cared for us, Lord, and how you continue to hold us during this time. We ask, Lord, that you would just continue to show your love and your grace and your faithfulness here in Campbell River, Lord, that you would provide us with more opportunities to bring your love to the people of Campbell River. And Lord, we, uh, we want to lift up Dale and the board as they continue their search for the interim pastor and Lord, for the future of our lead pastor, whoever that's going to be. Jesus, we just ask that you would already be working in their hearts and Lord, that... Um, yeah, we would see that come quickly. And Father, we're just so thankful for the ability to work with you here in Campbell River. So uh, Jesus, we just ask that you would bless this day, bless this message, help us to open our hearts and to hear from you. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning, everyone. This is our last Sunday with you at Campbell River Baptist Church. We have enjoyed the last two and a half months, but do I ever wish we could have done it in person? But we remember well the three months we had with you before Christmas. I want to just commend to you your leadership team and your staff. They are excellent people. I hope you'll pray for them as they're working hard for you, but also as they're thinking for the future and as they have important decisions to make together with you as a congregation as you look to the future and God's leading for you. God bless you. David, I really do hope that we get a chance to meet with you face to face in the near future when all this COVID craziness is over and it's safe to travel and to meet together. To introduce this morning's sermon, I'm reading from Matthew's Gospel, chapter seven. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Okay then, what comes to your mind when you think of the good life? A lot of things come to our mind, but let's take a few minutes and see what Jesus had to say about it. In case you were wondering, there's an intentional play on words here. It's both a good life to live and a life of doing good. M just read two parables for us that describe the foundation of the good life. The first describes how we enter the good life. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So the entrance way to the good life is small, the path is narrow, and a few find it. With these words, Jesus forces us to ask the question, which road am I on, the broad road or the narrow road? Either you're on the broad road that leads to destruction or the narrow road that leads to life, and you can't be on both roads at the same time. We choose our gate and our road, and that choice will establish our destiny. The popular path that most people choose is wide, broad, and easy, and that makes it inviting. 
but it leads to a place you do not want to go. It reminds me of, of a hike we often did on Vancouver Island when we lived there. For part, part of the hike, you were on an old logging road. It's wide, open, several can walk abreast. It's well graded, so it's easy on your knees. And there's no obstacles like rocks and stumps and roots and trees to scramble around. But you have to watch because the trail leaves the logging road and cuts off to the right, and the place is well marked off. There it becomes a narrow, difficult path that goes up and down and the footing is uneven and you descend into this gully and then you have to push up a steep climb on the other side and it's ten times harder than the logging road. But this narrow, rough path is the right path. Let's suppose that a group of hikers come to the well-marked-off turn, it's marked off with trail tape, and they see that the trail is narrow and rough-looking. And then they look up the logging road, and it's wide and well-graded and so much more appealing. What if they decided to keep to the logging road because it's so much easier? If they decide this, they will never get to the top. You can walk that logging road all day and never get to the top because it doesn't go there. This wide gate and broad path is easy and inviting and will, for that reason, attract many. But the end of this path is not pleasant and rewarding because it leads to destruction. For wide is the gate and broad the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. This small, narrow road is more restrictive and therefore less popular. The unpopularity of this path may be further understood when we consider the meaning of the word narrow. The word chosen by Jesus is from the same root word that means persecution. It implies hardship and difficulty. Not only is this a narrow path, it's also a difficult path. It's not well graded, it's not easy on your knees. But the end of this path is amazing. It ends in life, meaning the fullness of life in God's kingdom. So we can enter a wide gate and walk a broad road and be destroyed. Or we can get off that path path, pass through a small gate, hike a narrow, difficult trail that leads to life. Jesus tells us, the choice lies before us. So, which choice have you made? Have you chosen for Jesus? Have you gone through the small gate? Are you for sure on the narrow path? That's the question Jesus puts to us. The good life Jesus wants for us is found when we enter the small gate and follow the narrow path. This is reinforced again by Jesus in the other parable and read for us. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Who can withstand the storms of life? Those who know and do the will of God. 
And he puts it to us using the analogy of two men building their homes. And does this ever resonate for those of us who live on the West Coast? Because the two things we have here are slopes and rain. One guy decides to build his house on a slope, but he's concerned about the stability, so he hires an engineer. The geotechnical report prepared by his engineer assures him that a house built here could withstand the worst rains of the winter and the slope would remain secure even in the event of the big one, you know, a big earthquake. Another guy also built a home that same summer in another part of the city. He didn't bother with an engineering report, even though rumors abounded that the slope might be unstable. This lot has a breathtaking view of the ocean and the mountains, and, that all is, and that's all that matters. That first winter, after these two men built their homes, proved to be the wettest anyone could remember. Old records fell, with new ones established in numerous categories, including most precipitation in a 24-hour period, most precipitation in a 48-hour period, most precipitation in a 72-hour period, and the one house remained secure because of the rock-solid foundation, and the other went for a ride down the mountainside, ending in matchsticks on the valley floor. Jesus says, this is how people build their lives. I saw this vividly illustrated several years ago following a major windstorm. This storm downed trees on houses and power lines. It was a mess. In some places, homes had no power for days. Now, if you walked up the trail near our home, you saw a lot of damage to trees. I noted two spots in particular because the toppled trees seemed so strong and healthy. In one place, there were two wonderful-looking cedar trees lying across the trail. These were beautiful trees, and I honestly felt sad. After all these years of growing, these strong, healthy-looking cedar trees were uprooted by the wind. So I took a close look, and sure enough, they grew up in a marshy area, and the direction and power of the wind toppled them over. The soil wasn't firm enough to support the roots to withstand the windstorm. That, Jesus says, is the fate of those who do not build on the firm foundation of knowing and obeying his words. What's the difference between a life built on solid rock and one built on shifting sand? It's the knowing and the doing of the words of Christ. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. We enter this journey of hearing and doing when we give our lives to him. When we consciously ask for his forgiveness for going our own way and ask him to come into our lives and change us, then we begin this journey of knowing and doing. We're talking about the good life this morning, and we see that a basic ingredient is knowing and doing the word of Christ. When we hear the word of Christ and receive him, and then obey the word of Christ and follow him, God does a remarkable transformative work in our hearts. When we know Christ in this way, when he does this work within us, it makes us strong so we can withstand the storms of life. Our roots go deep into the firm ground of Christ in his word. It makes us strong. The rains 
came down. The streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundations on the rock. Knowing Christ's word and doing his will makes us strong. There's another tree that fell on the trail in that same windstorm. It was clumped within a group of healthy-looking trees, but it was the only one that fell. This intrigued me. I mean, why did this tree come down? I could see that it snapped off six, seven feet above the ground, so I decided to take a close look. I carefully picked a path along the tree trunk lying on the ground because the ground was littered with debris from the branches. It was a really big tree. You can see from the photo what I saw. The tree was rotten in the core. Who could know it? It looked perfectly sound from the outside, just as, health, health, just as healthy as the other trees that didn't come down, at least to my untrained eye. I, I remember thinking, this is a perfect illustration of the teaching of Jesus. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person, out of his good treasure, will bring forth good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. The good life springs from within. The good person, out of his good treasure, brings forth good. And the opposite is also true. As Don Carson puts it, what ultimately defiles a person is what he or she really is. If there is evil in our hearts, that evil defiles us. And it's expressed in all kinds of harmful ways. And what God wants to do is to change all that. Jesus was all about building healthy people who are authentically good, not superficial people who are covering up evil in their hearts. And healthy people are not easily damaged in life's storms. For this reason, Jesus didn't simply teach religious rules and regulations and a list of do's and don'ts and policies and procedures which are not only difficult to keep, they're easily compromised or forgotten. He didn't say, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will teach you the rules. He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We come to Jesus weary and burdened. We receive his rest. We take his yoke upon us, the yoke of discipleship, and we learn from him. Jesus did not teach a code of conduct forbidding murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Yes, he addressed these moral issues in an uncompromising manner. We've seen it here in the Sermon on the Mount over these past weeks. But he didn't simply leave us a code of conduct. God isn't satisfied with religious rules, ecclesiastical order, but rather he wants to build authentically good people. For example, let's suppose you want to discover the right way to do worship. I mean, let's just take this one example among many. So you're asking them yourself, what is the right form of worship? To answer this, you turn to the teaching of Jesus, expecting to find detailed instructions about the rites and the rituals of worship. But guess what? It's not there. Here's what you find. 
One time Jesus was asked a question about where you should go to worship. He said, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, that is, neither in Samaria nor Jerusalem. Yet a time is coming and now, and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshipers must worship, must worship in the Spirit and in truth. That's what God wants. True worshipers who worship in the Spirit and truth. People who worship anywhere in the world, who possess his Spirit and know his truth. Authentic worshipers. Worship is not about the right place with the right clergy, with the right liturgy and the right kind of building, with the right style of music. Rather, it's about qualities of our heart and mind. Jesus wants to nurture people with these qualities, healthy people who come to God in the spirit and truth, which means people who are on the right footing with God, people whose sins are forgiven, who are being cleansed and made pure by his spirit, who are growing in the knowledge of his truth and obedience to his word, and I want to celebrate him. And the other bonus, good people who do good are not so easily damaged in life's storms. If you haven't yet, if you haven't begun this journey with God into the good life by reaching out to him in faith, receiving his forgiveness, and asking him to change your heart to be one of his followers who knows and obeys the word of God. If you haven't yet do this, I invite you to do it right now. This journey of faith begins when we enter the small gate. I was six years old when I walked through the small gate. It was at a meeting at our church where Bible college students shared their story of their spiritual journey and a faculty member spoke. Now, at the end of the meeting, the speaker invited anyone who wanted to get to know God better to come to the front. There was lots I didn't understand because I was just six. But I felt this urgency to get right with God. I wanted so badly to know for certain that I knew Jesus in my life. And I was only six. And I've talked to so many people over the years who share the same experience of coming to know Christ at a very young age. I asked my mom, Mom, can I go? And she said, yes, of course. That day I prayed with all my heart and I received Jesus into my life. And that's when I began this journey with God. From that day onward, I knew Christ in my life. But I also had so much to learn about knowing and following him. And I'm still learning. That moment when as a six-year-old, I reached out to Jesus. That's where this journey began for me. I entered the small gate and I was on the narrow road and I began the good life. For many of us, knowing Christ begins with a moment like this. This is how we go through that small gate and then Christ begins his work within us. And through that experience of God, we begin knowing and doing his word. Not only is that a good life to live, it's a life of doing good. If you haven't yet, I invite you right now to begin this journey into the good life by reaching out to him in faith and receiving his forgiveness and asking him to change your heart 
so that as one of his followers, you know and obey the word of Christ. Let me pray. Our Father, I thank you that you reached into my life, even as a six-year-old, and that I walked through that small gate and started the journey on the narrow road. And that narrow road leads to life. I pray, Father, for anyone who's, who needs to take that same step today, that they would reach out to you, Father, even as I did, even if they don't understand everything, and call out to you and experience the grace of God at work within them. May we all grow in the knowledge of God's word and in the practice of the will of God in obedience to Jesus. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Well, thank you again, Pastor David and Em. We so appreciate uh, the past number of weeks and months that you have uh, been sharing with us and leading us and working with our staff team and our leadership team. We thank you so much for the, uh, for the energy and the effort that you put in and the, uh, and the great sharing of the word. I've really appreciated your sermons over this uh, past while uh, and, and by video working with us there and, and uh, just the extra energy that it takes to uh, do everything by Zoom conference and, and uh, putting your sermons on video. So thank you so much again for um, being with us at CRBC and sharing from the word as you've done every week. And uh, I just really, again, want to extend my thanks and gratitude to you for that. And to our church family, um, we want to invite you back next week. Um, we're going to have uh, Brian Down speaking, so we're really excited to hear from Brian. And then in the coming weeks, uh, there will be some more information coming out as to uh, what's going to happen in, uh, in moving forward in the next number of weeks after that. So uh, join us again next week. We invite you back. We're excited to have you back. Keep your comments coming and your engagement on social media. Share our links and uh, you know visit our website. Join our email uh, group and uh, just keep connected as best you can. We're going to continue to uh, um, watch what our government's doing and watch as these phases roll out as we uh, consider what we can possibly be doing together as a church. Uh, but some of those things are still a long ways off. So we want you to keep continuing to engage with our um, video uh, Sunday mornings, and uh, we just really invite you back next week. Um, this morning I was reading through the book of Colossians. I'm finding right now that I'm looking for encouragement for our church and for myself uh, in these times. And, uh, and, and Paul's letter to the churches as they struggled at different times and in different places. And so I've been really uh, seeking that kind of uh, insight and encouragement and uh, what I found this morning was just right back to, uh, to the basics. And, uh, and Paul speaking uh, to the church uh, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. And I just wanted to, uh, to leave you with this uh, encouragement this morning. So uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. 
He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. And Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything, for God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. I just wanted to leave you with that. It was an encouragement to me this morning uh, just to really remember uh, who to focus on, what to focus on. And, uh, and that's my prayer for you this morning uh, for our church, uh, to try and keep everything in perspective and uh, know that God is in charge. Uh, he's leading us. And uh, we just wanted to encourage you with that this week. Join us next week. and We're really happy to have you join us this week. Thanks again. Have a great week.